want a king and we want him now we want a king and we want him now we want a king well welcome back welcome back here we are another episode of civil discourse this uh, is not a safe space in fact it's going to be really unsafe today because i'm going to be plucking some people's nerves i hear you've got a bone to pick i have a big bone to pick well, let's uh, let's get to it. What's this spoon you know, that you've been picking up? You know, up? we got this little guy in the house. We've talked about him in previous episodes. And on 31st of October, I take him out. I put him in a nice little Batman costume. I have a Robin costume on the dog. And I'm walking around. You know what I'm seeing? I'm seeing Christmas stuff. Christmas really? it took, stuff. It took you, your part of town that long to get into Christmas. Yeah. And I go in the stores and it's Christmas stuff. And we hadn't even had Thanksgiving and so this orgy of commercialism is going on over Christmas starting in October. And, and I don't know about you, but my email, every day I have three, 400 emails, Black Friday sales, Black Week sales, Black Monday sales, Black whatever day of the week it is sales. And, and everybody wants me to buy something today. Well, uh, now let me ask you this question. Um, if memory serves, you guys are uh, members of Costco, yes? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I never go there during Christmas. Well, I understand, but you don't have to because, uh, from my understanding, you can start buying your Christmas wear somewhere around August. True story. True story. And and same thing with any Amazon, all these guys. They want you to buy your stuff in the middle of summer for Christmas. And, and, you know, there's something to be said for that. I grew up in a family that wasn't particularly affluent, and and so Christmas gifts were budgeted throughout the year. I'm not arguing about that stuff. It's, It's literally... We throw Christmas in our face, in everybody's face, and there's supposed to be 12 days of Christmas, uh, and that begins on the 25th. It ends on, on the 6th of January when Epiphany happens, and people are so tired of Christmas that on the 26th, they take their trees down, they're done. It's over. Oh, you good Christian folk. 12 days of Christmas. No, 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 you didn't get the memo. It's 12 months of Christmas. Ch- it's an update. <laughs> I'm just, you know, it's, it's you know. Epiphany. And, and there's truth to what you said in that, you know, it's Advent for me. It is Advent right now. And Advent is a preparatory season for Christmas. It, it, it's four weeks before Christmas. It starts generally the first Sunday of Advent, either the last Sunday in, in November, the first Sunday in December, depending on when Christmas falls. And, you know, you're in the middle of Advent, which is supposed to be a, a more reflective time where you reflect on, on the blessings of the year and, and you kind of uh, look forward to the coming of, of the Christ child. And, and in the middle of all this, we have this orgy of commercialism. And I don't know how else to put it, uh, Charles. It is an orgy of commercialism. But before I go down this road, we have I, I'm, I'm so fired up, I completely forgot to say, hey, thanks for joining us today. I, I really appreciate all our listeners for being here. And I'm sorry I'm such a grump, but I'm going to be a grump. Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to just uh, say to all of you, our, our devoted fans and listeners, that, uh, you know, I'm sorry. You know, you came to, to hear some uplifting holiday cheer, and, and here's Mike uh, going on about hellfire and damnation in the storefront. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. Well, they should have heard what the other episode was going to be. <laughs> so so we'll, we'll this, get to that. trust me, I'm <laughs> saving you from the other one. But but honestly, which, I did, Which, just for the record, the other one... Which we won't tell you about yet was my idea, and yeah, I mean it was it was a different material altogether. I I, I just I really wanted to address this this idea though that this is about and and, and I don't think it's a recent development. I, I was watching a, a 1950s show called the Donna Reed Show, mm-hmm. and 
they were worried about the commercialization of Christmas. And, and so I, I really think this is a at least a 20th century problem, if not a 19th century problem. And, and you had brought up, and in, in when we were prepping for this episode, the concept of Santa Claus. And I find that to be intriguing. Uh, m- my people come Well, from- I think it's worth saying the modern day concept right, 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 of Santa right, Claus. Right, right. Red suit, hat. Which came from, as beard. you said... It was, for those of you who may not know, it was a marketing uh, campaign of Coca-Cola. Right. And the red and white being Coca-Cola's colors. You go to England, Father Christmas wears green. Uh, And in in Germany, where my people are from, St. Nicholas Day is the 6th of December. The Christ child brings your gifts uh, on Christmas. Well, and just for fun, if you're from uh, Central and Eastern Europe, uh, Santa Claus has a good friend by the name of Krampus. <laughs> well, that's and also a German thing as well. There's a Krampus as well. Yeah, it's who comes, comes with Bavarian whips Eastern whips bad kids, right? <laughs> well, basically, uh, and, and you want to talk about disturbing. Um, they, they actually there are a lot of in Prague and, and the Czech Republic and a lot of Eastern European culture. They actually have Krampus celebrations, and right? feasts and all this other stuff and what the idea behind Krampus is we think of if you've been bad you get coal in your stocking oh no Krampus whips you he beats you Krampus (laughs) comes with his own sack Um, he shows up at your door he gives uh, Santa Claus a high five on the way by because Santa's passing over your house because you were no good and he shows up instead puts you in his sack takes you outside and beats you with a stick yes and yep. then once you're nicely tenderized, he opens up the sack and uh, in some cultures starts to chew a little bit. Right, right. And if you've seen the pictures of Krampus, and I'm not talking the modern renditions, but the, the, the two, three, four, he's a scary dude. Oh, he's, yeah. No, the true demon kind of. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, the, it's that, that good Catholic, uh, no, good, no, no bad deed goes unpunished. <laughs> so, you know, it's funny. Um, there was an episode of not the Twilight Zone, but one of these. It was the Tales from the Crypt. It was one of these uh, shows that, you know, t- took a different look on on the world. And um, this is probably from the nineteen seventies or something. And Santa uh, did come to your house. He did come down the chimney, and then he ate your children. And I think they were actually taking the myth of, of Krampus and <laughs> combining the two characters. It was a scary episode, if, if you look at oh, it. I, I, probably as scary as Bill Mooney from uh, Lost in Space being the man in charge of the whole town when he was like five years old or six years old, mm-hmm. which still disturbs me to this day. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, or, or, the guy, or the monster out on the wing that Will Shatner saw and nobody oh, else yeah. could see. Uh, there were some oh, yeah. the, 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 there were some really interesting television back then in in the era of censorship that was incredibly disturbing in spite of the censorship, no uh, which is probably a whole other episode. But you know the the thing I think and, and it really is bothering me and it seems to be get, I don't know if it's getting worse and worse. It's just maybe that I'm getting older and crotchetier about the these things. And, and that really is... That just for the record, my, my nephew who's in the room here with me just shook his head yes at the older and crotchetier. I just want to he, share He's probably you. right. He's probably <laughs> right. But, but you know, the thing is, is and, and you know, I, I we've made it no big secret. Neither of us came from very affluent backgrounds. And, and so this is, this is really what got me started on this, other than my tirade about being bombarded with 10,000 emails asking me to buy stuff. 
uh, is, is when I grew up, you got one special gift, one special gift. It, it was going to be something cool. I remember one year for me, it was a Hot Wheels track with the loop-de-loops and six cars. Uh, I was in. I, w- I was. I was really styling that year. They had Hot Wheels that long ago. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then, then I would always get a book or two because mm. I was a very avid reader. And then I would get clothing. And, and quite honestly, what I got was stuff I needed: socks and underwear, and and new, new pants, new shirts. And, and those were my gifts. And and maybe it was because there were six of us, and that's what my folks could afford. But I've talked to a lot of folks from your age group to my age group, and that's pretty much what most of us got. Is that your recollection? Your recollection? No, I, I grew up a little... Now, so it's worth saying I have an older brother and an older sister, and their years were very different than mine. Um, my, they were raised primarily by my mother, who was single, a single mother at that point. She worked long, hard hours, but at relatively low pay. So there weren't myriad gifts, you know, from the tree out to the front door, you know, as we often see nowadays. By the time I came along, the situation had changed a little bit. Were we wealthy? No, but we were not necessarily hard up, so to speak. And at that point, I was much younger, so I was the only kid in the house, really. And so there were definitely more than one gift. There's no question. Uh, we could have a different conversation as to whether anything on my Christmas list showed up under the tree, but uh, <laughs> they there were. I also had not only my parents, but at this point now my older brother and sister. There were grandparents um, and aunts, uncles, and so forth. There were a lot of other right. people contributing. So it's not that my parents went out and bought me a hundred gifts, but I, I definitely had a nice little pile of anywhere from, you know, eight to 10 or maybe even 15. If you count little small things that would be uh, thrown in. And then let's not forget the stocking. So I can't complain about my Christmas experience. However, here's what I'll, I'll say. It was a tradition in our household that the, our home was always where we celebrated Christmas. So the whole family showed up at our house. They'd fly in from California, Indiana, all over the country. And, you know, my mother was the cook, and so Christmas dinner was always at our place and so forth. But once, you know, my, my godmother, my sister, who would usually always be back for Christmas, and whoever the majority of our guests were for the seat for the period, not just Christmas Day, but for the season, um, we would usually have a tradition of taking one day and going to the mall. And we would divide and conquer and, and buy our Christmas gifts for everybody on that day together. And then we would go to Friendly's and have an ice cream or something like that. And it became a fun family activity of getting the Christmas gifts for everybody else. And it was one day, it was one afternoon, and then we went home. And that was it. <laughs> well, it's we. I think we did kind of the same thing when we got older and had our own jobs and could afford to buy each other gifts. Uh, and then I'll be really honest: my parents, once we were all grown, Christmas was for kiddos as far as gift giving. Now, now I don't want folks to think we didn't have Christmas. We certainly did. Uh, but but what would then happen is, uh, in my family, we gave each other Christmas tree ornaments. So everybody bring mm-hmm. an ornament for everybody else and. Uh, my mother and uh, all of us would come with dishes and we'd lay it out on Christmas Eve and then we'd lay it out again. On, we'd have more dishes for Christmas Day. And we would literally sit around their dining table, which with six kids was 
a, a large dining dining table. You mm-hmm. know, it could seat everybody, and and we would sit around the table all day, and, and we would tell stories and we talk and we chat and and uh, you know you could slip out for a little while if you needed some some peace and quiet or if you wanted to just go out and cool down outside because you know when you have a lot of folks in the house the house gets mm-hmm. warms up. Yeah, and, and so that was kind of the way Christmas as an adult was for me. Uh, and kids, if you brought your children, they got gifts. There were always gifts under the tree for the kiddos at my parents' house. Uh, but but for the grown-ups, uh, you got a, uh, like I said, the family got an ornament, and and you got a lot of good conversation, and all the beer you could drink or wine or whatever it was your beverage of choice was, and a lot of good food. And so I got very comfortable with this family. I want to call it a family-oriented Christmas. And, um, of course... That's not everybody's experience, so I, I do recognize that. Well, I, I can't say that we lost the sense of adults' participation in Christmas as far as the gift side of things went. Um, obviously, the volume of presents diminished as the number of children were because you would get somebody one nice thing and a couple of peripheral socks and stuff like that. Um, but no, everybody continued all the way up to the very end, uh, getting getting gifts. But it was one one tradition. I'll just share. It's sort of a, a tangent, but one tradition I always enjoyed as a kid and and as a uh, young adult was we would always open one present on Christmas Eve. Now it's it's worth sharing. My father was the church musician and music director, so we always had Christmas Eve service. The and he usually had an uh, early evening service for the elderly folk and for kids if that aren't going to stay up too late. And then there would be a midnight service, right. candlelight service, which is sort of traditional in the Protestant. Uh, Catholic too, midnight mass Mid- yeah. on Christmas. Yep. yep. So he would come home usually between the two services, and we'd have a bite to eat, usually something relatively light, and then uh, we would all sit and open one gift. That, and, and we got to pick who, which gift we wanted somebody special to open. Uh, you know, hey, Daddy, I want you to open this one, or whatever it was. And that was always fun. And then we'd get up Christmas morning, and our stockings would be filled, and there was usually a present from Santa that was not wrapped under the tree. And, and then, uh, you know, we'd get to opening everything up as a family. And it was always fun. Um, there were a couple of years that I can remember all of us sort of standing around saying, why the hell do we have so many presents? This is insane. But it was usually years where we had a lot of people that had come in and from out of town. So everybody was buying a gift for everybody. And, you know, seven people buy seven gifts, gifts each. That's a lot of yeah, presents. That's you know? 49 gifts right there. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, it's funny how family traditions are. So in, in German culture, at least Bavarian German culture, Christmas gifts are open on Christmas Eve. When sun mm-hmm. goes down on That's Christmas, you, you open your gifts then. And then uh, this is, what I think, why my family was the way it was. Then Christmas Day is family day. And, and mm-hmm. you've, you've been in Germanic Europe. You know that breakfast is not a big meal in Germany. It, it, if, if you're lucky, they'll throw some meat and cheese on a plate for you mm-hmm. and, and send you on your merry way. Uh, but on Christmas Day, you do what we would call a regular breakfast. They would call it a Christmas breakfast with eggs and bacon and yeah, toast and, and, right. and pancakes and all that and pastries and all. And, and so uh, maybe that's why my family did it the way they did it. Uh, because I don't ever recall, I think we tried opening Christmas gifts one Christmas Day and nobody in our family liked it because we'd been raised differently. 
Um, now, you know, I married, I married, as you did, into a good Irish Catholic family, and, and they're going to open their Christmas gifts on Christmas Day. <laughs> so, so I've adopted that, but it, it's always been a little odd to me. And, well, it's hard to open your gift from Santa on Christmas morning. Well, but if, if it's not the Santa that's bringing your gift and it's the Christ child, and the Christ child happens to drop those gifts under the tree while you're at Mass, which is what happened in my uh, house, uh, then then it's not inconceivable. Yeah, no, uh, we were heathens. It was all Santa. <laughs> yeah, well, I, and, you know, there's, there's a thing to be said, and I've heard this a lot, uh, and, and, you know, I worked awful hard for some other guy to get the credit. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it's one thing to give Jesus the credit. It's a whole other thing to give some mythical guy from Coca-Cola the credit, I guess. <laughs> and by the way, here's another. I, I didn't finish my rant about this. We take a, a Greek from Myra, which is now part of Turkey. Saint who Nicholas, was, who was living on a Mediterranean diet? A real guy, by the way. Yeah, real guy. A real guy. He, he's living on a Mediterranean diet, so there ain't no way he's a fat man. He's probably somewhere between you and me in color, and and uh, we can we make him a Norwegian fat guy. <laughs> well, Coca Cola did. Yeah, I'm just saying. How's that happen? You you can't. Well, the other it. thing, you know, if you if you can find uh, old images of the depiction of Saint Nicholas in various cultures, I mean, the red suit is very much Americanized. Oh yeah. Twentieth uh, early twentieth century, because like you say, green. Uh, there's some where he's dressed in white, in some places brown, uh, black uh, robes. In some cases, it's a full robe all the way down to his feet. In other cases, he usually is depicted with a beard. I've noticed he, he is, but that, that makes sense for the time. You know, it's 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 a single three digit years at this point when he's around. I can't remember it's three or four hundreds, maybe mm. a little bit later. It's during the Arian heresy. Yeah. And, and so the Arians did not believe in the divinity of Christ. And, and the myth around the real St. Nicholas is that when they had their, uh, their big um, conference uh, the, uh, to, to, to determine if Christ was God or not, uh, when Arius was speaking on the floor, St. Nicholas walked in and gave him a right hook and knocked him out right in the middle of the floor. And, and said, "We're not going to have your heresy here." And that that is a that is a traditional myth about Saint Nicholas. So this jolly old fat man doesn't jive with the historical story. It may be a tale. It may not. Uh, it does, but it doesn't jive with the story. Um, was this at the Nicene Conference? The Nicene. Thank yeah. you. My brain. I didn't think it was the Athanasian. I thought it was the Nicene. And we just lost half our audience right there. Right. Way. But but. <laughs> Well, the point, and, and these are creeds that Protestants and, and Catholics alike say, uh, so that they're not, you know, if you, I believe in God, the Father Almighty is yeah, how yeah. these all begin. So if you're in the Christian tradition, this is probably not on, on something you don't know about. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, this myth of the jolly fat man with the uh, historical tales, and they're tales, we don't know if it really happened or not, it doesn't jive in my mind. Uh, the reason why we give St. Nicholas the gift thing is because women who couldn't be married, if you didn't have a dowry to attract mm. a husband, you couldn't get married. And so the alternative was that you went into prostitution. And, and the tale told is that in Myra, Nicholas, who was born into a wealthy family and, and had no need for his money because he was a bishop in the church, would give your daughters a dowry so she could go get married. And, and that's where he became the gift giver. I don't know how true it is again, but that's the myth. I, that is not a version I've heard. Um, from what I understood, he was, in fact, somebody who went around to the poor children 
uh, and left a gift, usually something handmade or carved right. or something, at the front door or something like that, if my memory. Um, and, it, you know, he snuck at night and did this, but it was uh, an act of generosity on behalf of the children um, this, you know, one night of the year. But I think there are tons of different oh, I, I think there's, the and, and there may be truth behind all of it. He may have done both. Sure. Uh, the, t- the story, I've read a book about the legends of, of St. Nicholas uh, that tried to do a historical treatment of, of the stories. And w- another version is that he would throw gold through the windows at night uh, mm. because he didn't want people to know where the money came from so that these women could find spouses and, and have a dowry or their families could feed their children or whatever the case may be. So, uh, you know, and, and I can see... The moral of the tale is he was a good guy. Right, right. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and we do know he existed. We yes. do know he was the Bishop of Myra. We also know that the way he was selected to be a bishop was essentially they were, they were electing, the other bishops were electing a new bishop because you didn't have the communications you had in, uh, today, so the Pope wasn't making these selections, and, or the bishop in, in Rome. Mm-hmm. And, and so they would go and meet and vote, and they couldn't agree. And they literally said the next priest that walks through this door is going to be the next Bishop of Myra. Nicholas was in his 20s and walked through the door. <laughs> <laughs> and so he got the job when he was nowhere near qualified to have the job. So, Which you know, sometimes isn't the worst thing. From all but. accounts, he did a great job. Uh, I mean, you don't these myths don't grow up around you because you were a horrible human being, you know. <laughs> so, so bringing this back to the the capitalistic uh, marketing of Christmas, uh, it's it's interesting because I remember when we started hearing uh, in a in sort of a regular way uh, the concept of Christmas in July. Right. It became a marketing scheme. I want to say in the mid '90s or so, it became. Yeah, popular. it was relatively recent. I, I remember before that. So, and I know and I'm they ancient. literally would have Santa Claus on the beach or something like this, right? And commercials or driving a, a, a convertible or something like that, and you know, come on down to Nissan. We're having Christmas in July sale and all this other kind of stuff. And I remember thinking, hmm, that's cute, but. Where does this go from here? Because nothing ever gets walked back. No. Once we've no. established something, that's now the new normal. Once the and cat is out of the bag, that. you ain't getting the cat back in the bag. Yes. <laughs> so. And in many ways, it, we really do sort of have a year-round essence of Christmas. You know, just after the holiday, it's the post-holiday sales. You have other little interruptions in the Christmas season, such as Easter and uh, you know, Fourth of July and so forth. But, Memorial uh, Day. Yeah, but <laughs> which will be another episode, by the, the way. <laughs> exactly. And you know, this—I I will tell you that it has bothered me. I'll, I'll speak in my own household because you know, take care of your own home first, right? Um, it has bothered me to see some of the attitude that I don't care for coming from my son that I think in many ways is uh, related to what by my childhood standard would have be considered incredibly spoiled uh, treatment that he gets. And, you know, there are a lot of uh, lovely moments where you'll hear people talk about, oh, when you when that baby comes in the world, you spoil them rotten, you give them everything you can possibly give them, blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't really subscribe to that thinking. Um, I think there's something to be said for earning... Um, 
you know, something, having, having some uh, skin in the game when it comes to uh, the, the, the gifts that you are given, so to speak. And this year, I've actually said, now I have no expectation that anyone in my family will listen to me, but I have tried to make it clear that he is to get one gift from each branch of the whatever. So Did you tell my wife this? Well, I certainly told mine, and I'm pretty sure I told yours, but who knows. And I'm also 100% certain that nobody will be listening to me. I'm going to have um, to look at the Christmas list. And, and, you know, I've had this, and this is probably why this is so, you, you've hit on it. I mean, you really have right here. This is why this is on my mind so much. So in the past, I could ignore all this stuff. I really could. I, I could blow it off. Because, you know, we were two adults in this house. We didn't have kids in the house. And uh, my, my kids know that the only people that are getting presents from me are, are their kids. Uh, and so uh, it, it's kind of been an easy thing for me to just ignore. Uh, if anything, I probably spoiled your kid <laughs> because we didn't oh, you have. have a kid. You've been a contributing factor. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but, you know, now that we have this little guy in the house, I don't want him to grow up with a sense of entitlement. I don't want him to be Dudley. Yeah, but I don't want him to be... I've met your mother-in-law. Good luck. Uh, Well, you know, but I don't want him sitting in Christmas morning like the Harry Potter kid where he's counting the number of gifts and saying, I got 24 last year, and this year you only gave me 23. Uh, Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I guarantee you that conversation is going to happen. The question is, how do you respond as the parent? Because children are going to be selfish. They're going to be spoiled in, in to some degree. I mean, this, this is what children are supposed to do. The question is, how do you redirect and correct that attitude? Yeah, pick, pick 12, we're going to drop them off at Angel Tree, and you can have the remaining 11. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we're going to deal with this. Uh, you know, and, and, and that doesn't always happen. I, I have to be really honest with you here for a moment. My youngest son, very early on, at, at the ripe old age of about seven, decided that he was going to go to Angel Tree and he was going to go to Toys for Tots. He was going to pull cards and he asked that he be allowed to spend his Christmas money for those things. And, and to this day, he's a huge supporter of Angel Tree and Toys for Tots. You know, we're, mo- mm. we're a family of motorcyclists, you, you included. And so he's been in, tapped into the Toys for Tots thing because that's a motorcycle charity uh, since he was a little guy. And, and all he asked was that he get one gift and, and it didn't have to be anything fancy. And, and, you know, when you have a kid like that, you'd probably go a little out of a little overboard when you buy that one gift. Uh, so but but the point is, is he's he, he has done this since he was seven and has continued to do this as an adult in his own life. And and so not every kid is 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 feeling uh, deserving. And, and I do want to recognize that um, contrast that with his brother who, who wanted his gifts. And there's nothing wrong with that. But but of course, the expectation was set very early on that, yes, you're going to get Christmas gifts. We're going to buy you nice stuff because I'm firmly in the buy ones, cry ones camp. But you get what you get. Mm. <laughs> critiques critiques of gifts uh, are not appreciated, nor will they be tolerated. <laughs> so. Well, there. so obviously age appropriate is a, is a thing that is real, and you don't give a... a Rolex to a two-year-old or anything like this. Um, But I think that as they enter or approach the age of reason, instilling the concept that one really nice gift is far more valuable than a whole bunch of junk. 
and you know there's there's something to be valued and appreciated in in that whatever that is relative to the age and psychology of the child or 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 the adult whoever is re- the receiver of the gift um but you know we're talking about the commercialization of christmas and there's an interesting thing there because we have this wonderful horrible <laughs> Uh, inconsistency in America. You know, a, a non-Christmas related uh, example I'll give you. We are absolutely obsessed with our health in the sense that the gym, the the doctor, the pills, you know, we're constantly looking at diet plan commercials. We're constantly seeing ads about getting fit and this is the year and blah 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 i mean it's it's a massive portion of our american psyche simultaneously we are now living in the fat shaming world the you know we're the, this this concept that if i even speak of that uh what was the uh, british singer uh, adele Adele, right. who was not obese by any stretch, no, but she, she was she was a healthy, a healthy young lady. And during the course of COVID, she decided that she was going to use this time to uh, exercise a little bit, do the thing that we're all saying we want to do and get into shape. And she did it and she succeeded and she was lovely. She was lovely before and she was lovely after, but she was lovely and a little thicker before and she was lovely a little thinner after. Right. And she received nothing but headache from people. The fact that she even dared to lose the weight, somehow that act was an act of fat shaming. <laughs> I, I don't I don't get it. And and it's funny because I was listening to a doctor who's being interviewed in, in one of my podcasts the other day, and I can't remember which one. And, and he said, had we known then what we knew now regarding COVID, what we can see statistically is people in their 80s and older were, were very much at risk and people who were morbidly and he used the words morbidly obese sure. were high risk and what we should have been telling people was to do what Adele did and get out there and well, get sunshine some, a lot of people were uh, <laughs> yeah. we've, we've often talking about uh, we've often spoken uh, about Bill Maher I mean this was one of his big things you know yes there are people as you say who are going to simply be at risk because of, of their circumstances but if your general state of health is a major player in the thing, then get healthy. So anyhow, that's well, uh, not yeah, what we're uh, really talking about today. But. You, you went down, you went down the path. <laughs> but I think again, it's a commercial thing. Is we think that health comes in a pill, or we can get that sure. magical gym membership. And, and by the way, go to the gym in January, and there are a lot of people in the gym in January working out. New, hard. They're, they're New Year's resolutions, yeah, that's right. and, and they, they don't make it to February most. They, of them. they don't make it, and, and come February. And I, I, you know, I was a gym rat for for a good twenty years in my military career. And by February, I had no problem getting to the machines I wanted to get to again. And I watched it every year. I watched it. You know, I'd wait for a rowing machine in January, and then come February because I like to row. Uh, come February, I had there was no there were six. My, I could have my pick of six or eight rowing machines uh, in February, and, and I watched this over and over. But this commercialism, where we think health comes in a pill, or health comes in a a magical gym membership, where I don't even have to go to the gym to get in shape. And, and the truth is, you know, two hours ago before we started recording this episode, 
I went out and took my 30 minute walk with the dog because I know my cardio health is, is supremely important. And by the way, when I got COVID, you know, this, it was basically a cold that made me tired. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was, it wasn't fun, but, but it wasn't life threatening. And, um, I think you had a similar experience when you had it. So, uh, again, this commercialism, when we bombard you with these messages, they may not always be in your best interest. And, and well, by the way, and, and here's the thing, you know, bringing it back to this Christmas materialism, you know, just like this idea that health, you know, again, on several different par- parallels here, the idea that your health can be found in a pill with very little effort, the, the idea that happiness and inner peace and love and whatever the values of Christmas for different people may be can be found in the material. Right. That's, that's, that's a problem and it's definitely an in, a significantly influenced aspect of the commercialized nature of, of Christmas. But I will also say that like health where we have this very strange inconsistency between everybody being on the I'm going to get healthy kick and yet somehow being mad at people who actually do it. (laughs) We have have this interesting inconsistency in simultaneously. How often do we see the bumper sticker, put Christ back in Christmas, Uh, bring, you know, the real meaning of Christmas? How many Hollywood films, which here's a a fun little... uh, inconsistency, you know, Hollywood, uh, talking about, you know, the true meaning of Christmas and, you know, Mr. Smith goes to, not Washington, uh, what was it? Uh, I'm thinking of the wrong one, the other Jimmy. Oh, oh, um, you're talking, uh, it's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Frank Capra. (laughs) You know, you know, and quick aside, the funny thing about this was I was listening to rabbi, one of the rabbis and he said, how come all the best Christmas songs were written by Jews? Why do they give us dreidel, 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 and they give you white Christmas? (laughs) Because Irving Berlin was Jewish. And so, you know, and I was listening to the rabbi. I said, you know, he's got a point. We did get a lot of great Christmas songs from Jewish guys. Uh, Yeah, but that's not an accident. You had major studios that were not, I mean, even if they were run by, by Jews in some cases, and certainly in Hollywood that might have been the case, uh, but, but the money, the commercialism was in Christmas. And so that's where they put the money. Let's write these amazing, not only the songs were great, but the way they were produced, they got A-list stars to perform them. I mean, Frank Sinatra's Christmas album is still one of the number one albums, holiday albums ever. And Bing Crosby is still the best-selling artist of all time. And his whole empire was built on Christmas music. And by the way, the one thing that does disturb me about holiday movies, just another quick quick sidebar, I I watch Holiday Inn, which is, I love the Christmas movie, but every time I see the snow and I realize that that, that's asbestos. I don't think anyone's around who was in that film. So what does that tell you? Uh, there you go. But no, I, I think, you know, the funny thing is, is for all the critique that Hollywood gets. And, and you know what? I, I, I get it. You know, you have the Santa slasher movies and, and those things. Um, but the real meaning of Christmas. <laughs> but, but, you know, there's some great Christmas movies that are out there. Oh, sure. There sure. really are. And, and a lot of them. And by the way, I'm not sure that, that it's Hollywood's job or society's job or the government's job to put the Christ back in Christmas. And I, I think that's really where I'm going here is it's my job to put Christ back in Christmas if that's what I want. And, and it's well, my here's job. the thing, though. It's, 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 I think that's an interesting thing because who are those bumper stickers? Who are those... Uh, 
billboards, who are they aiming at? Well, of course, they're looking at the people going by them, the people. Um, but the, again, just like that inconsistency in the health world, I wonder sometimes if the same people who saying, let's put, you know, the real meaning of Christmas and, and, and you know, the Christ back in Christmas and, you know, all of these other slogans, if you said, fine, everyone gets one gift, that's it. Well, oh. <laughs> I think people would lose their minds. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I do know folks who, who don't uh, do gift sh- exchanges on Christmas. A lot of them will wait till Epiphany when the three, three kings came, which is, I think, where we get part of the gift-giving tradition. Uh, you know, the mm. pilgrims didn't celebrate Christmas. The Puritans didn't celebrate Christmas. Um, it was illegal in New England to celebrate Christmas uh, when it was Massachusetts Bay Colony. Uh, because that was a, quote, Catholic holiday, unquote. Um, and then, of course, then when all the Irish Catholics and the German Catholics came over, Christmas was cool again. But, but uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I, I wonder, um, do you really want to go back to 18th century Christmas, which was just another work day? Or, or you know, you go to church and you go to work? I mean, well, like so many other examples where people say, let's uh, make fill in the blank great again. Um, let's get back to the good old days. Let's, you know, the, the question I always have in every one of those different circumstances is, which good old days are you referring to? Of course. If, and what was a good old day about, for you may not be well, a good old day for this me. This is exactly my point. <laughs> and, and, and the reason it was a good old day for you may be the reason it wasn't a good old day for me. Amen. But if, if we're talking about the depiction of Christmas in Little House on the Prairie with Michael Landon and the couple of girls and so forth and, you know, uh, the, the gift of the Magi concept where, you know, I, I'm sacrificing something beloved to me so that I can give you something and in doing so create a, a more beloved moment. Um, you know, th- this is the heart of the generosity that, that I think we, we all think of when we say the real meaning of Christmas. Um, but the reality... <laughs> You know, I just, I, I see a, a great inconsistency. I keep using that word, but it's, it's the word that comes to mind here. That well, I, think I think your observation is accurate. And, and we say we want this, but in no way do we demonstrate it in our choices, in our constantly running up to the, the Costco's and the Walmarts and the whatnot. Well, I'm going to tip my hand a little bit and I'm going to play a card for you. Your family's gift from Mike will not be coming from Costco or any department store. Uh, I, 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 I have it downstairs, uh, it, it's, it, and I'm not going to talk about it any more than that, but I think that I have really decided that instead of me going out and, and spending three minutes on Amazon and, and clicking a button, I have decided, and this goes back to me putting the Christ back in Christmas, that I'm going to do something with my own two hands that will show you what I thought of you. And it's really where I'm going to come from from here on. I, I, I've made a personal decision that the time has come for me to really start to think hard. Now, I'm not saying I'm not buying people gifts. Don't misunderstand me. But they're going to be really thoughtful. And, and well, I, so, I just, I, I, I don't want to make light, but I, I can't help but ask. I mean, 
uh, knowing you and knowing your your hands-on approach to uh, to the great things that we enjoy together, is are we talking two wheels or four? <laughs> I love you. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. But there will be two round things. I will say that. <laughs> but but the point is, and I already told you one of your gifts. It, it, it's it's sometimes uh, a gift can be. Uh, and if you don't mind, I'll share that one gift that I've already talked about with you. Um, I, I was. Do you mind if I share? I don't know. I it's a little material. Um, it is. It is material, but but the gift part is not the. It's stuff the doing. It's the doing. And You're doing. So, and yeah. yeah, there's there's a there's a thing we enjoy that you feel you can improve upon its performance. Uh, it's a music related issue. Right, and, and, uh, and so I want to just do some work, spend a, spend a day of, or a half a day of our vacation up there doing some work for your systems that I think will improve them greatly. And, and I think that... Which we will really, then enjoy together. Of course. Uh, even more so, and that's the real <laughs> gift, right? Of course. You know, and, it's, it's, and, and you guys have always been really good to us in that you'll come with a bottle of some libation and we will crack that bottle open in the evening as a as a family it usually doesn't and make we, it to the next day <laughs> right and we enjoy <laughs> that as a family and and but but my point is yes you're spending money you are but there's a thought behind it you know i'd really enjoy sharing this with charles and his wife on the 26th of december and mm. uh that excites me to buy something that we could all enjoy as a family. And uh, I think, may, I'm not saying that the commercialism is bad because you do have to buy the bottle. You do have to buy the stuff you did to create the gift. You do have to buy the um, whatever well, it is. I'm going to jump in there, though, because I think the substance of what you're saying I agree with, but I think the... the you're going to make a finer the, point, the words, are you? <laughs> I, the part of the... The commercialism that is not healthy is the marketing of the idea. Again, going back to health can be found in a pill. Going back to happiness can be found in a thing. This is a marketing scheme that is not healthy. And it is not having anything to do with the substance of Christmas, the generosity of Christmas. I think that while... There are certainly many of us who give because of the joy of giving, that thing we watched in those you know, holiday films. I think that many times, especially with our kids, it's more, well, uh, you know, I, I got to get him or her or whatever. It's, it's, it's more an appeasing kind of situation. And certainly that's not across the board. I'm not trying to make great generalizations, but how many times have we seen in the stores, in, on the street, you know, the kid just, I want, and screaming and hollering, kicking, okay, Tommy, I'll, you know, okay, well, uh, let's go back, in, you know, and all this other kind of nonsense, which is really a statement about parenting. But regardless, the fact that that's even an option is... A, by extension, at least, a result of a very skillfully uh, and masterfully executed marketing ploy, as much as Coca-Cola's marketing of Santa Claus to sell Coke, which, by the way, back then actually had cocaine in it, um, it was, was something to do with, with, with money. It came down to money. 
And, you know, that was not part of the Christmas spirit as far as anything I read in my Bible. No, I, I'm with you. And, you know, um, someone asked me a couple of days ago, because St. Nicholas Day is a German, it's not just German, it's a, it's a very European holiday, and continental European holiday. And, and someone asked me, where, where do the chocolates and oranges come from? And there were, you know, an orange mm-hmm. used to be very, very rare. Uh, you didn't get yeah. to have an orange all the time. And so, you know, an orange for Christmas was a big deal. And, of course, chocolate wasn't as plentiful then as it was as it is now. And so that was a big deal as well. Uh, and then someone made the comment, maybe the orange was kind of the same color as gold. So it went back to St. Nicholas throwing little sacks of mm. gold in the windows of, of families. And I said, okay, that makes sense. I, I'll buy into that. Um, and, you know, I, I did read... Uh, a book by the you had mentioned Little House on the Prairie the other uh, a few minutes ago, and, and I read a book uh, by the author whose name just escaped me, and she said that gift giving in the on the prairie, one year she might get a doll, the next year oh, Dad Laura Ingalls, uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yeah, she would get the doll. Then the next year her dad would build a cradle for the doll, so she'd get up on Christmas morning, the cradle would be sitting there with the doll in it. And then maybe the next year her mom would make the doll a new dress. And so the gifts were around the doll over and over again and usually were handmade because, you know, they didn't have... I was just going to say, that's an important part. <laughs> the doll was handmade by Ma. Right, the, right. The, uh, the cradle was handmade by Pa. The, right. <laughs> you know, everything that was given was given with love, time, and thought. And so, and, it, and that was understood. Now, right. it's also worth saying in the same show, there was the wealthy family who bought their kid the thing. And but so who got forth. more? But that kid was, that, the kid was depicted as a brat. They right. may have gotten more gifts numerically, but they didn't value those gifts anywhere near what little Laura, who, by the way, is a real person, if anyone right. doesn't know. And those books are actually um, uh, autobiographical. Um, but the, the, again, valuing one treasured gift is infinitely better, in my humble opinion, than you know Scrooge McDucking your way swimmingly through mountains of toys to the degree that, and, and again, in my own household, it bothers me that I, I think my son has gotten to such a high n- number of things that have been gifted over time, everything from McDonald's toys to, uh, you know, myriad presents and ho- Christmas, birthday, you name it. I, I think he doesn't even know where to begin. And I, so one I, I will of say one thing. That, yeah, go ahead. I'll say one thing in his defense, though. And well, I've, it's not his I, fault. No, no, but I do have to say this. He's been very thoughtful this year about the gifts he's giving others. I know what he's getting your nephew who's sitting to your right or left, uh, and he was very thoughtful about that. I know what he. I know he's been thinking very hard about what he's going to get our little guy because he's very close with our little guy. And, and so while I, I, I hear your concerns and I acknowledge them, I, I want to point out, though, that the one thing you seem to have done very well is encourage him to be thoughtful about what he's giving others. Well, and, and, and I think it's worth saying that this has become a real conversation in our house. I mean, you know, my, my Aaron and I, or my wife and I, are, are specifically talking about this, not just sort of begrudgingly moaning about it, but actually looking at it strategically and saying, he needs to, and he's going to be doing this with a, a certain auntie of his who should be coming soon, 
um, going through and picking out boxes worth of things that it's time to donate or give to, to others who need them uh, more than he does and make room for not things just to replace them, but you know, if you're getting rid of five outdone, maybe we get one thing that goes you know, in its place, so to speak. Well, and this, um, this conversation is happening in our house as well because we're much more well-to-do than I was the first time I raised children. And there is a uh, desire as a kid who didn't grow up with a lot to give this kid everything he would ever want or need. And then I don't want him to grow up to be, what was the kid's name in, in Harry Potter? Dudley Dursley? Dudley Dursley? Oh, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't want him to grow up to be Dudley. I, I want him to grow up to be a, uh, a giving, kind, and, and decent human being. And, and you can't do that by big by giving him everything he needs or wants everything he wants. You can give him everything he needs. You can't give him everything he wants. And, and so uh, I'm sorry you don't need the latest. I don't know anything about gaming systems, but you really don't need it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, in my humble opinion, you don't need need it at all, but uh, I've, I've got a bias against video games. but You do, um, and I, I, I share that bias. I'm trying to be uh, <laughs> open-minded on the issue. <laughs> Rotting your brain. When I was a kid, we didn't. You know, anyhow. <laughs> anyway, no, I, I think it's important. And, and I, I was very impressed when because I was just up there. Um, was it right before ago. Halloween, right? Yes. Like uh, right around Halloween, I was up there. Right before mm-hmm. Halloween, I was up there. A- and I was very impressed that, that he was thinking about the giving side a lot. And I thought that was pretty neat. And that doesn't happen by accident. That, that has to be calculated by uh, his role models. Well, and look, when a gift is given and it's special and it's something, you know, really, it is a wonderful experience to go through the receiving of that and to have that excitement and whatnot. But I have to say, as trite as it it sounds and is, the joy I get in seeing my wife's face light up when I found that perfect. (laughs) Hey, you know, there's there's truth to what you say, because I, I will never forget. Uh, being in your home, and, and your wife will never let me live this down, and, and a gift was handed to me, and I turned to the two of you, and I said, you gave me dead cow. Yes, I recall. <laughs> Meaning leather, <laughs> and, and I was just absolutely beside myself that you had given me this leather, and... and uh, it was a bag, just to be It clear. was, it yeah. was, and, and, but that, that by the way, we should explain as a joke between us that we, we will be chased, if hell is the thing we love yes. the most, that we're going to be chased through hell by cows. Because uh, yes. I love leather, and, yeah. and and you know there was a joy in in there's a joy in seeing someone get something that you knew would be perfect for them, and seeing them react just how you hoped they would, and, and so uh, I agree with you. I'm not again. I'm not knocking buying gifts. I'm just simply saying. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll give another example. Sure. For, you know, hopefully of inspiration. I think the best gift giving moment I've ever had in my life. And that's, you know, almost half a, half a century now. Um, but without a doubt, I think it happened last year. I found a card. And I think you were there when, with this for my wife. I found a card that, I don't remember the exact verbiage, but it was basically two old fogies, a, a man and wife, in an old uh, BMW or Harley Davidson or something motorcycle with a sidecar. And Aaron, you know, we as we've often said, we like to ride, we like motorcycles, and uh, we like to ride together. And 
this card, it was some, the sentiment was, you know, lifelong riding buddies or something like that. And it right. was this old couple with the wife in the sidecar. And I thought, this is perfect. Aaron will love the sentiment of it. It's, it exactly captures who we are. And so I got her this card. I wrote a nice little message in it or something like that. A little little dash of sentiment. Don't tell her I said so. And uh, and when we gave our gifts about the table, um, she opened her card, and she started laughing. I remember this. She started laughing. It was just so funny. And I thought, okay, she got the card. She sees the joke, and she enjoyed my little sentimental quip, and she's just enjoying it. And in the same, in the same moment, I'm opening up the card she had given me, and I uh, open it up, and I break it open, and... Lo and behold, she had found the exact same card and given it to me. (laughs) And, I mean, it was just, it was a wonderful moment of, obviously, uh, humor and joy and and affirmation that we clearly share the same sentiment in psychology and and we're meant to be in this, uh, together in this. And it was a wonderful sharing of giving, you know, and... It cost the two of us all of two dollars and fifty cents, or whatever it was we paid for the card. That's better than any gift I've ever received or 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 given. Uh, the the joy that that fun little nothing uh, brought, and that to me was a great example of a genuine spirit of that was a that Christmas. was a precious moment. And I don't mean that in the commercial way. I, I mean I watched that and I said, yeah, those two are made for each other, and. and <laughs> Because it was the exact same card, uh, and I laughed about that. We all laughed about it. We thought it was funny. Now, I'm not going to bring up the fact, I'm already bringing it up, that every year my wife and I have to remind both of you that it's your anniversary. Or what? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And it's now, I think, three years in a row we've had to remind you both that it's your anniversary. Uh, Well, you know, I just, I don't see the value in celebrating not having been divorced yet. I just, (laughs) I don't see that as a thing. Well, but you both go frantically. Women across the nation are scorning my name. (laughs) We 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 were on a road trip once, and Megan and I walked in and said, "Happy anniversary!" And you both gave us that look, like, "Oh boy!" (laughs) And so we stopped somewhere. You're both out shipping shopping for anniversary gifts. What's funny? It was both of them, for dear listener, not just one of them. Hey, the couple that forgets together. Go on. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and this has happened, I think, three years in a row that we had yeah, in mind. No, it was your anniversary. It. So, luckily, we're generally up there uh, during your anniversary. Yeah, that has been kind of odd. Isn't it? <laughs> Anyhow, so, getting back to the commercialization of Christmas, the point of this uh, diatribe we've been on is pause. Just pause. You know, the other thing that w- is worth noting on this is that I think the technology has made a big difference in our perception of the process of, right. of shopping and so forth. Right. I mean, most of us aren't going to the mall anymore. I don't go. I did everything online, yeah. and I, I bought yeah. a lot from uh, Etsy because Etsy promotes crafts sure. people. Um, and, and, there's, and there's definitely something to be uh, you know, respected in, in elements of that. But the idea is that now I can shop a little bit every single day. Sure can. And, and even if I'm not shopping, I'm on the Weather Channel, and the latest thing that my computer has decided I you know, am interested in is now popping up. And, and oddly enough, I'll, I'll just share on my Weather Channel, the little commercials that come up are usually women's clothing or jewelry or something because I have looked for th- you know, or seen something that I thought looked interesting that Aaron might like. 
and clicked on it, and it's just now I'm out in the the, the matrix has me. Um, but yeah, it's it's so even when I'm not actually shopping, I'm still shopping. <laughs> it's <laughs> funny. It's funny. Uh, you know, and and I told Megan, please get me nothing. I don't want anything for Christmas. I I want uh, I want to drink uh, wine. I want to eat good food. I want to laugh. I want to have fun. I want to watch a little guy open his gifts because this will be the first Christmas he has with us. I want to watch your little guy open Christmas gifts. I want to see another coyote come loping through the yard while we're having Christmas uh, or the bobcat up on the hill uh, Mm -hmm. because we'll be up there for Christmas this year. Hopefully COVID doesn't happen this year like it did last year. (laughs) And, and, you know, it's one of those things where I'm really just looking toward forward to the family time more than anything else. And, and, you know, I'm not here to say that if you do the 24 gifts for each other and that makes you happy that that's wrong. I, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying there's no pressure that you have to do the 24 gifts. You, you, I think each family needs to define Christmas the way they, they want to define Christmas. And, I, would, I would challenge each of us to, to ask if, if Christmas was going to be any less of a joyous experience because we did not buy something, then should we go ahead and buy that thing? Or Mm. should we reflect? The other thing I wanted to ask, and and you kind of talked about this a little bit before we hit record, I would ask that everybody reach out to the family they know is unable to go visiting for Christmas. Uh, There are a lot of older folks. There are a lot of folks uh, who are going to be alone this Christmas. Uh, and if you have friends or family that are in that category, maybe you can't make it by on Christmas Day. But if during that week you can get by and see them and maybe share a little joy, and if they're able to have a drink with you, stop and have a drink and sit down and chit-chat. And and uh, I would ask that everybody think about doing that for, for any of the folks that they're within uh, distance of the sea. Uh, and just spend some time that week with those people because, as you had pointed out before we hit record, it's a pretty lonely time of year for some folks, and, and we need to be cognizant of that. No, there's no question about it. Um, any of us who are able to sit in our home or any home with the four walls and a roof and be warm and have our bellies fed and, and uh, you know, share a moment of joy and laughter and all this other sort of stuff, we have to remember that there are a lot of people. There's not a handful. There are a lot of people in the world, whether they on Christmas Day or any other day of the year, that are not having that experience. And if we are, we need to celebrate. You know, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, you and I, and we've talked about this, we, we come from some different backgrounds in the religion side of things. And you know, when people say grace um, before a meal, a lot of people have different reasons what they're uh, motivated in, in giving that uh, grace uh, and blessing of the food. And to me, I think there's something to be said for an expression of gratitude, regardless of whether it's to a higher power or whatnot. But understanding that the food, the gift, the peace, the warmth, the comfort that we have is not shared by all. Nothing we need to feel guilty about, I think, if, if we're not being gluttonous, 
but I think it is something we have to pause and acknowledge. And, you know, if you're not a religious person, you don't have to say, you know, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this food before us. But there's nothing wrong with saying we are grateful for that which we are given and, and have. And that can just be put out there in the universe. It doesn't have to be directed. But I think there is, there is power in taking the moment to pause and acknowledge that. And that, if I was going to put a, a pin on it, would be the genuine spirit of Christmas. We'll stop right there. So I want to thank you for sharing your thoughts about Christmas with me. It's, it's been uh, cathartic. Uh, you know, I, I I'm, I'm, was a little disturbed at the beginning, but we, I think we ended it where I want to end it. I want to thank you for being uh, open and honest about your feelings about the commercialization of Christmas. And, and dear listener, if you agree, disagree, uh, we'd love to hear from you. How could they get a hold of us, Charles? Well, we have this email thing that uh, I have to say, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if I have one thing on my Christmas list this year uh, as, as, as a podcaster, it would be to hear from you. Take a moment, if you would, and make, make my Christmas by sending me and Mike, and I said that that was grammatically incorrect, Mike and me, um, a, a, a little note to uh, let us know that you're out there, you're listening, you're enjoying, hating, despising, or loving, whatever it is. We want to hear about it. We'll, we'll uh, even we'll, take a bump you. You can say yeah. bump you. <laughs> as long as while you're bumping us, you're bumping that like button down there on the uh, the podcast. And, and, and bumping uh, those Apple five stars on Apple. <laughs> Absolutely. And 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 the email, the, the, before I went down that tangent, civil discourse, TNSS. This That's, is not this a safe space. This is not space. a safe space mm-hmm. at gmail.com. Send us a note. Uh, let us know uh, how you're doing. What What are your plans for Christmas? Are you, oh, and, uh, and if your family home? has traditions, please tell us about your traditions. And I love to yeah. hear about Hanukkah traditions. I I, I, I can talk about Hanukkah gelt next year. Uh, so, anyway, <laughs> which is the little that's a little foil covered chocolate coins, by the way. It's Hanukkah gelt. So there you go. <laughs> anyway, no, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your comments. If you think I'm all wrong and that Dudley Dursley did deserve 25 gifts versus the 24 he got last year. That's a position. I, I it's be a more, position. <laughs> I'd be more than happy to entertain that position. Uh, anyway, I, again, I know we have folks to thank, but I'm going to begin by thanking you uh, for joining me in this and, and thanking your nephew, Parker, who's sitting to your right and or left. Um, yes, he, uh, we, we have a, a new addition to our podcast. He's sort of a, uh, our co-recording engineer here, um, my nephew, Parker McNerney, who himself has a, uh, a podcast. Uh, do, do Parker, you want to say anything about your, your podcast to our, our faithful listeners here? A little plug? It's not very good. It's not very good. But if you'd like to listen to it, it is called the Flix Capacitor Podcast, and it is on Apple and Spotify. Flix is in, like, movies, Flix? Yeah. Yeah. Is that okay, a plan? Flix. flux capacitor. Yeah, it's okay. a flux capacitor. Yeah. Got it. Back to the future. All right, and and clearly not a marketing guy because anybody who markets a show by starting with it's not very good. Um, so but, what I heard, let, let's clean this up for him. I heard that he has this wonderful podcast called the Flix. It's capacitor. really one of the best. The, the Flix capacitor. They review movies and and, uh, and it's amazing. And 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 you would actually be very unwise not to check it out. So, seriously, in fact, I think we might be guesting on his show one of these coming days. We may we've have done to. a little chit chat about films ourselves. We so, well, when, uh, when I'm in town, we can sit around the table and we can do that. Uh, so absolutely, I I, I I encourage everyone to check out the Flix capacitor. There, we'll sell it for you, Parker. <laughs> yeah, that's how it's done. Take notes, my son. 
Um, but anyhow, uh, we're, we're glad to have Parker here with us and uh, our, our returning and continuing uh, engineer, editor, and, uh, and occasionally contributing co-host, which uh, we keep saying we, we haven't had him back for a while, so we need to get Keith uh, Zadroya feedback in the room with us. Um, but till we do, uh, the Lazarus Trio, Carl Groves and the great Mike Koniger, uh, that bring our music in and out of every episode. So grateful to, uh, to them, which is another way of saying you, uh, Mike. Um, <laughs> and Carl. For, uh, and Carl, of course. And, of course, speaking of Mike, my illustrious, profound, well-educated, and honored co-host, Dr. Mike Koniger. Ah, Merry Christmas you. to you. Hey, Merry Christmas to you. Happy New Year. Uh, I hope everyone has a prosperous 2023, and we thank you for listening a lot. We are sincerely grateful to all of you who listen. And if we don't uh, talk to you before, have a great New Year, too. There you go. <laughs> <laughs>